When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. A Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us. Check him out on the Higher Learning Podcast at the Ringer. Also, Midnight Boys, Baton Rouge's own Van Lath. Excuse me. Academy Award winning Van Lathan. What's up, Bo? How you doing, man? (laughs) (laughs) Dog, here's how I know that Academy Award's a big deal. Because I got this damn Emmy that I got but didn't really win. I ain't earn it. I got it at every shot I got. There's a Green Bay Packers helmet behind you, it appears. Not your Academy Award because it must be in a safe. Well, that is actually an LSU Tigers helmet right there. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right, right, right. The, the, The thing is in the other room, but I try to, you know, keep it whatever, whatever, make sure. But I, 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 by the way, shout out to Trayvon and, and, and Martin because I did about as much to earn it as you probably did to earn your Emmy. <laughs> I'll say this, though. If they get one off a of BS high, I would like a copy. Oh, yeah, exactly. I would at the very least you like to come touch that thing. Yeah, yeah I want to touch that thing. Y'all, y'all might be up. BS high is one of the most controversial, thought-provoking Docs of the year, y'all probably gonna win some awards from that. You 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 coming down? You coming to the ceremony? Well, I was just a talking head in it. Like I went and sat as a talking head in a documentary yesterday, and I have this annoying habit where right before I sit down for a documentary, where I tell the people, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm better at talking in documentaries than anybody else. And then their eyes roll, but then I talk in the documentary, and then they be like, "Oh shit, he thugging, right?" But the reason I tell them that is, don't nobody pay you to talk in no documentary. I have a, I have an incredibly useful skill that hasn't made me a goddamn dime. Not a single one. I've been in some cool stuff. Not uh-huh. a dime. It, they, they always hit you with the, you know, it's news, man, and we really need your voice, and we really need this, and <laughs> such a big deal. And they do such a good job when you come to one of them and making you mm-hmm. feel like you are absolutely vital to what it is that they're talking about and doing so when you leave you're like yeah man thanks everybody claps hey would you like a bag of fritos and then you get in the car you're like i'm not any richer (laughs) i tell you this though i can tell what i am vital though right like i can tell depending on the circumstances of how far along they've gotten where they got to the end and realize yo we're missing something We'll just ask Bobani these questions and then he'll come in and tack it in. Like I can tell when everybody was out here and you could like kind of use me, but you ain't need me necessarily. But I can tell when I get in there by the questions like, oh, y'all was in trouble. Okay, I got you. If we're doing a major league lineup, like the batting order in terms of where you would be hitting in the documentary talking space, what are you? Are you a cleanup hitter? Are you in the five hole? Are you in the three hole so you can get the most at bats? Where would you say that you are? I'm in the three, partially to get the most at bats, but also because if I get on with a single, I might can steal second, right? Like I feel like I got 30, <laughs> I got 30, 30 talent. You see what I'm saying? Like, like you need to get me up there because while that dude's up there at the plate, he might not really be that good at the plate as a cleanup hitter, maybe not as good as me, but I'm out here like the Negro Leagues, right? Like jockeying. Got that picture a little bit distracted. They all on me. They don't even notice you wasn't talking about shit when they came to you. Not you per se. You know what I'm saying? The the bigger you. But by the time, so you you can get on with a single and before you know it, you still at home. You didn't make you didn't score. That's the right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a Ricky Henderson type action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Going on here. Little Willie little Willie Mays situation. See, that that's I'm, that's what we going for. I'm a five hole hitter because I got a lot of power, but there's the occasional strikeout, you know, where my ADHD gets to me and to where I've talked for probably about three minutes and everybody's like, <laughs> man, you still with us? 
Like, because like you, like, you're on physics now. We were talking about Colin Kaepernick. Like, what's going on? So I got, I yeah, got man. rated it. Yeah, but but you willing to do the thing though, man? They said your black ass all through New Orleans asking questions about Soldier Slim being nosy. I was like, hey, 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 hey. couldn't be me, couldn't be me. Hey, listen, see, see how you know that? See how the cultural intelligence comes through? I just remember, I'm down there. We at Louis Armstrong Park. I'm asking people questions, and I remember one dude goes, "Yeah, man, that's some um, that's some street shit. We don't really talk about that." And I see the producer going, "How to get up the cool?" I'm like, "It's New Orleans." No, I might take him to lunch after that to make sure we cool. You know, it's New Orleans. I'm not going anymore. He said, "No, let's move on." to Dude, when I was on Honey Questionable, I was responsible for what I called the real live gangster alert. Because Dan would come out there being all nosy, poking around. I'm like, yeah, some of these dudes, you can get into this. Some of these cats, we need to be doing some up fuck shutting right now. No, we're not going any farther than this. You know why? Because I go places these people might be. You don't do See, that. And that. I do. Bro, and that's the thing. I'm so glad you brought that up because this was never a bigger deal than it was on TMZ. Because on TMZ, every once in a while, there will be something to come across the desk and I'd be like, can't do it, can't do it, we're not, we're not, we shouldn't, no. And he would be like, why? I'd be like, you know, when you leave, you go to the nice beachfront joint, I'll be at Beauty and Essex. And I'm a <laughs> people, man. So how about this? How about like, literally, how about we don't, we literally, like well, maybe three or four miles from where the six season the rest of these people. How we, how about we not do some of these stories so Van can be <laughs> safe? Because they don't care. They, the freedom is so crazy. Like, got Harvey Day. All of these people. They not go, nothing gonna happen to them. But they'll. It, I'll be the dude from TMZ that gets touched if something goes wrong. Right? It's not gonna happen to them. Yeah. Dude, I heard a dude while we was on HQ. I don't want to put his name out there, but he was doing something in reference to his age. And the lie couldn't have been bigger, right? Like, <laughs> I am hearing, like, and it's such a big lie, and it's such a verifiable lie that's so big, right? Like, I'm hearing it, and I'm like, I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, dog, that's not your age. Like, I'm certain that this is not your age. But you know what else I was certain of? Being right just really wasn't that important. It's, like in that moment, look, in that time, it just didn't matter that much. It wasn't that germane. It's like, you know, it, it, and part of it is not even about what's going to happen to you. Part of it is you just don't want to be the nigga that's like poking fun and get, being. It's like it's a different thing. You you're interwoven with the community. You got to tell your truth. Sometimes we know as black people, some things we let slide for the sake of of the conversation. Now, certain things we call you on, you know what I mean? If you say you average yeah. 35 a game, the same of my high school, and, and the whole barbershop go quiet at the same time, hey, bro, you ain't scoring no 35 a game, bro. Right. Like you, like, but about people you might have killed, nah, we let you have that. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you... Like, even a 35, man, sometimes it's better to point it out like, oh, damn, for real, 35? Ain't that something? And then let everybody else like go get to the bottom of it. Like, like you, you sound like you all the you all bored, but in reality, what you are doing is drawing attention to the absurdity. Right. Oh shit, you was cooking. Okay. Shit, what you had a little one. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, all right, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. you was first. You was first team all district, right? Okay, yeah. okay. Like you just keep adding stuff, but just get all oh oh all state. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you had to get a scholarship. Oh, oh, your SAT was too low? Okay, you gotcha. Hurt, oh, yeah, that one coach, you hurt. Oh, yeah. I remember you, because I remember that time some years ago, I seen you limping. I seen you limping. You was you wasn't on the, oh, yeah, that's, and that's what happened. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So then I, that's when I started up the ice cream truck, and then that's when I got into barbering, you know what I'm saying? And I'm here now. I can still hoop, though. <laughs> Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout 
Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. All right, we got a couple things we're going to get to. What we're going to talk about, Deion Sanders, we're going to get to that a little bit later. But it became kind yeah. of pressing in the short run. Uh, we're happy here with Draymond Green. And do you have the homie that just can't, like, stop himself? Because that's what Draymond Green appears to be, the homie who just can't stop himself. You know, you always wonder about him. Yeah, I do. I, of course I do. Uh, at certain points in life, it hasn't worked out. These guys have ended up in jail or uh, in the hereafter. But you always wonder, what's the thing? Like, what happens to Draymond, like, right before? Like, right before the flash-out happens? Because what we all have in life or what we've developed as being parts of communities is this little impulse control mechanism to where you're about to do something. My dad used to call it the bite your teeth, to where you go, mm, and then you, hey, not worth it. But I always wonder about guys who don't have that. When I was watching the game last <laughs> night, and, and Draymond just turns around and does that. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? He just turned around and smacked this shit out the dude. Really for nothing. And I'm like, like what what the question we have to ask now is like, like what is Draymond? Like what what is he on, man? Like what's going on? I really don't get it. I'm very, very, very curious about that thing that Draymond doesn't have. And maybe that's the thing that makes him great. I don't know. But this is what he also has, because what you say it is correct, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't seem to have that ability that stops him from doing that thing. Or it seems like he has it, he has it, and then suddenly it just all goes away and he's kicking somebody in the nuts, right? Like, like, like it just at some point when it doesn't go away gradually, it just goes all the way. Like he's the person who'll be like, ah, you funny, <laughs> you funny, <laughs> you're funny. Yeah, your wife is ugly. Like, damn, dog, we like, like we went all the way, like, like we was just joking about stuff, right? But he does have, and these people are always fascinating, the people who aren't lying because they believe what they're saying, and he is able to rationalize his behavior on the fly so quickly. This is him after the game with his full rationalization on. He was pulling my hip, and I was swinging away to sell the car, made contact with him. Um, as you know, I'm not one to apologize for things I meant to do, but I do apologize to you, sir. Um, because I didn't intend to hit him. Uh, I sell calls with my arms. I don't fall or to sell a call. I don't, I'm not a flopper. So I was just selling the call because he was grabbing me and pulling my hip back. So I spun away and unfortunately I hit him. And so, like I said, I apologize to you, Seth, um, because I didn't intend to hit him. Now, you know, Draymond from Michigan. And look at your face. He's from Michigan. And I imagine that maybe he a Lions fan because that's that Indomitian Sioux logic where you just be like, what are you talking about? Like, bro, we was watching this. Were you not there? Because we saw it on TV. He said he was selling it. Selling, so, the, selling the file. It's so funny that you bring up Sue because essentially Draymond is the Sue of the NBA or maybe yes. Sue <laughs> is the Draymond of the NFL insanely valuable great player that once again you go why <laughs> you go why here's, here's my thing i read a book and i, I and and i'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more other places like when i really really download the book even more so it's about mythomania and what mythomania basically is is you know people that actually have chemically trained themselves to believe their lies the most frustrating part about being gaslighted about from somebody, uh, by somebody, should I say, is that sometimes they're not lying. Chemically, they're not lying. They've told themselves a thing for so long that they really believe it. And some of the cases of people doing this are about things that just really never happened. But if you physically and emotionally and chemically continue to tell yourself for a lie for a lie for so long you will really really believe it and the reaction to things that you have will be based upon that truth that your body chemically believes 
I think he was, he's telling the truth right there. I think he believes it. I think he believes that. I think he has like convinced himself that over the years, he's not a dirty player. He's not a, 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 a crazy guy on the court. And that is all just an anti Draymond agenda. And people are picking on him. Yeah, let me tell you this, though. The scariest thing that he said there, though, was I don't apologize if I intended to do it. That is a horrible way to go through life. I feel terrible for the woman that is married to him if that is his approach. Like, if I meant to do it, I am not taking any responsibility for it. What? I like okay, that, you have to help me out with this. Well, 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 I like that. Like, if I did something unintentional or if I did something, if I misread something, I apologize. But if I meant to do something, I kind of don't want to be moved off my hill. If I meant it, if I thought about it and I did it, if I was like, hey, I am going to do this, right? Then I kind of don't want to apologize. What I really want to do- I know you don't want to apologize, but that's the point. You don't want to apologize. Nobody is like, boy, I can't wait to get up and go say I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I get it. Nobody wants to apologize. But, yo, sometimes you got to be like, yeah, I thought that was a good idea at the time. But now I recognize it was actually horrific. See, I I feel like there's one. If you bring women into this, I feel like there's one situation where there's something you could admit to do. And then you still have to apologize for it. And we all know (laughs) that. And that I will apologize for if that were ever to happen. It doesn't happen to men like myself, but if it were to happen to some other <laughs> men with less discipline, I get it. But I think what he's saying is, uh, what he's saying is, if I wanted to punch him in his mouth, like, I wonder if he apologized to Jordan Poole. Because he clearly meant to do that, right? No, I guarantee you he did not. I, I know enough people who have talked to him about this after the fact. Draymond Green, from what I can tell, there may have been a couple of days where they convinced him that he did something wrong, but that's over now. He does not believe he did a single thing wrong, and if he played for the Wizards, he'd have punched that dude at about 15 times by now. Yeah, and so, look, man, I just wonder with everything that's happening to the Warriors, it's interesting with the Warriors, everything about the Warriors now is, is like, it's decomposing in a very interesting way. Like, you watch... Every player is a shell of the exact reputation that they have. Now Draymond is going too far. Now Steph is, is they're relying on him so much. The bad shots that he used to take and miss uh, and make, shall I say, now it looks like out of the flow of the offense because you don't have Clay. Now Clay is a bad defender and spot up shooter. Everybody's strength is now almost becoming their weakness with the Warriors because you know, they just don't have that it thing anymore. They could probably still make a couple of deals and be competitive, but it's just interesting to watch everyone's NBA reputation be the thing that kind of takes away from, don't, don't get me wrong, Seth is still sublime, but now it looks like, like the shot he took late last night, it looked like he was pressing a little bit. It looked like they could have gotten a better look. It looked like a little quick and he was taking a really tough shot and watching, watching Draymond become a mutated version of Draymond is crazy. Well, there's also an argument to be made that Steph with all his reputation for being nice is maybe being too nice because you're the one that can get Draymond in check if anybody could be the one to get Draymond in check, right? Like, Steph is the one dude who gets to lead by not actually leading. All he got to do is his job, right? He is so excellent at doing his job and people liking him that, that all he has to do is show up and be like, all right, everybody, get like me on three. Cool, let's go. But that kind of was the, the chemistry of the team, right? You had the guy Correct. who was the inspirational leader and you have the guy who was the direct vocal leader. Now you need the inspirational leader to really lead by example a little bit more. And you need the vocal leader to be a little bit more inspirational in in his play and held himself to a higher standard. And the question is, can a tiger change their stripes this late into their career? And if they can't, then how, how far do you take this team that you're devoting that much money to, you know? Well, they made a very bold call, which was to let the live wire set the tone, right? Like this whole thing has always hinged on whether Draymond can hold it together. And when he's held it together, it's been fine. And when he didn't, he out here kicking people in the nuts and it cost him the finals and all of this. But it is very interesting that Steph Curry does not really set the tone. He just provides the example. The actual tone is the live wire, which seems like a terrible idea. But I want to to show you something right fast because you have not seen this yet. All right. 
So, you know, I guess most people, if you didn't know what we were talking about by now, Draymond Green spunked around and hit Yusuf Nurkic in the face. And there's a post-game interview here with Yusuf Nurkic. And I remember the time that I saw Nurkic at the Summer League and he was in his street clothes with the emphasis on street and I had not heard his voice, and I was wondering, wow, what does his voice sound like? And the answer is, just like I thought. I don't know, man. <laughs> I was behind the play. <laughs> I don't think what's going on with him, I don't know. Personally, I feel like that brother needed help. I'm glad he didn't <laughs> choke me, but at the same time, it had nothing to do with basketball, man. Like, I'm just out there trying to play basketball, you know, they're swinging. I think we saw that often, but um, hope he, you know, whatever he got in his life, he get better. Hey, man, he got to the league, and it was time to fit in. You weren't you expecting yeah. that, were you, man? Not at all. First of all, he looks like one of the guys that, like, John Wick would kill. Um, and, and, secondly, and secondly, bro, is he in the Travis Kelsey school of of cultural assimilation. Oh, he way past. He, he way past Travis Kelsey, baby. He way past Travis Kelsey. I tell you, I saw him at Summer League wearing a Gucci sweatsuit and some glasses that ain't got no prescription in them. And I was like, who is that? I thought it was some light-skinned brother, right? I was like, is it Blake Griffin? They were like, no, nah, man, that's Nurkic. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And so when I saw he said the thing about brother, which, by the way, I'm sure some teammates pulled him to the side and was like, hey, man, you got to say brother. I know we be saying something else. But you, you say, you say, you stick to brother. You know what I'm saying? That's that's your lane, is brother. That's where you need to go. But this the cultural, it's a cultural overlap of the NBA that I love so much. So let me ask you this: You think that the big N Nurkic has a big N word <laughs> pass inside the locker room? No, 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 no. I think he tried it because he didn't understand the <laughs> ramifications before it was made known to him at some moment. Dame had to put him to the side or whoever. I mean, maybe when it was with the Nuggets. It was probably when he was with the Nuggets. And they just had to put him to the side and be like, hey, homie, I know you don't mean nothing by that, but uh, mm-hmm. you ain't you ain't got to yeah. do that. I do remember this. I used to ask this question on Twitter back when people, you know, had courage. They don't be want to answer this no more. But I like, tell the story about a time an athlete tried to pull, pull your girl from you. And now when I ask that, I only get the stories about the brave ones who staved them off. But some cats said that early in the game, Nurkic came to the club and, 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 uh, and went for his girl. And she went for Nurkic. I'm sure she did. I mean, Nurk, I mean look, look, Nurk got it, bro. Nurk got the swag. You know what the crazy thing is? And sometimes... You know, it, 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 you you delve into a different type of conversation when you do this sometimes. Like white is white, black is black, right? White is white, black is black. That's facts. We like it. the The world has has. If there's one thing that the world has confirmed, it's that rule right there of society of Western culture. White is white, is black is black, whatever. But I will say there are different blacks and there are different whites. Like the white American guys that do the Nurkic thing, they look like they're trying mm-hmm. to do it. Like, yes. Nurk is doing that better than Tyler Hero, right? <laughs> he's, doing, <laughs> you know what I'm he's doing it better. Like, the dudes that come from over there, like, even like a Jokic, who is very white, there's something about Nurkic that reminds me, not Nurkic, I mean, uh, Jokic. Jokic. There's something about Jokic, and I hated on Jokic for so long, but the more you know him, there's something about Jokic that reminds me of some of the guys I grew up with. The guy who just don't care about nothing. He don't say nothing. He just do his job. He flash off the hood. I don't know. Maybe it's the struggle of the European from the war-torn place and all of that <laughs> stuff. It's like easier to relate to than the guy who went to Ocean Township High School and is dressing like Jack Harlow trying to get up threes. It's like, I yeah. believe nerd. In that situation right there. <laughs> that's the cute, that's the bigger right there. I believe it. And you're right, they be over there, they got Muslims, you know what I'm saying? So maybe that's yeah. part of the overlap, the, you know, kind of the, the back and forth. But what I think it comes down to is, to them, they're not assimilating to blackness, they're assimilating to America. Like the way that they are learning America is through the traveling circus of the NBA. <laughs> Right. Like like that's the America that they're learning. They just like, oh, this is how people talk in America. Right now. They recognize that these are black people in America. But where Nurkic go meet these white people at? Right. Everybody, he know, from his job, everybody, you know, from work. So like if he played for like the Bulls, you could go out there and find some people from the old country. But he was in Denver, dog. 
He was just hanging out, hanging out with the fellas. Right, right. But nah, look, bro, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, but going back to Draymond and what you say, I think the point that you made about Draymond is so good, the live wire, right? I give you, I give guys an example of this, people, because Bo, you got a very diverse audience. So some people might be the live wire. What is that, right? Let's say it's me, it's Bo, it's a couple of the other homies that went to college and took the route that we going out. One guy with us is going to bring a gun, right? We going out. <laughs> one guy with us is going to bring a gun. You don't let that guy make the decisions, right? Like, we are all the ones that have to be like, hey, bro, man, just at least leave it in the car, bro. Don't bring it in the, don't bring it into the joint, bro. At least because you, you going to use it. You going to use it. Like, don't. Right. But if we say, hey, homie brought the pistol with him. Let's do what he said. He's he's ready to kill. Okay, let's follow his lead. We're probably going to go to jail that night. And it seems as if, like, Draymond has such a cachet with the team that he's still, it hasn't cost him any leadership points that he's consistently making the wrong decisions on the basketball. (laughs) And we'll see if it does, you know? He can't be the brains of the operation. If you want him to be the heart of the operation, that's fine. But they they give him so much power, he gets to be the brains and the heart. And all Steph got to do is shoot. Yeah, just she get to get shots up. But at this point, I mean, the Warriors, I don't know. Obviously, the team went through uh, a transitional period and they were able to come back and still win a championship. But I think right now in the history of this run, this is probably the most soul searching that the team has had to do. Not searching for, uh, you know, wins or, or trying to be at the top of the West or at the top of the league anymore, but just a definition of who this team is and what their culture actually means. Going through the fact that Clay doesn't look like he's the same player. Steph is still performing on an elite level, but they got new guys there. They got Moody, they got Kaminga, they got other guys that are, they still need their buy-in to a degree. And then with Draymond, like what is Warriors culture like right now with this team? I think that's a question that they're going to ask answer over the next 15 or 20 games, you know? That's real talk. Coming up next, uh, got Van Lathan on with us. We going to talk about, now that the season's over, what's going on with your man's Deion Sanders? Because people didn't talk about him so much after they started losing games. We'll be back. Prize Picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money this football season, and now you can play during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. And with the NBA back, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from producer Sean that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize Picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, welcome back to The Right Time. It's me, it's Van Lathan. And yo, I don't know if you would experience this, and I think I talked to you about it. For some reason, white people can't conceptualize the idea that black people are into college football. Like, never mind the fact that the South is so black and college football is so South. Somehow people don't realize that we are into college football. And so you and I are both like into it. You more into it to me because you like checking out the boards and stuff like that. Because you have a school that you actually have like a direct interest in when it comes to it. But you and I have talked all season about what's going on with Dion in times good and bad, just to be clear. But I was frustrated. It was very, very hard because I found the people who wanted to talk the loudest about Dion when he was at Colorado were the people who just started watching college football when they played against TCU and they ain't even watched the game. They just heard about it after. And it was really tough because they was calling me hater and everything else. And then they finished four and eight, which Uh, by the way, good job Dion. Cause I didn't think they was going to get four. Yeah. Did you feel a measure of vindication with well, I'm just asking with, with like like with 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 how the season finished for Colorado. What I felt like to be honest, 
it got disappointing at the end. Like, I thought they were physically going to wear down, but when they blew that game to Stanford, where they were up by three touchdowns or something like that at halftime, and I went to sleep and just woke up and found out that they lost, I was like, oh, damn, man, that's kind of rough. I kind of, like, I like that my friends were happy, right? Like, I like the vibes that had come around, but at the same time, I did want to come back up to some people and be like, so are we all a bunch of haters now? Right, because we were just trying to tell people things that were obvious and honestly to a degree beyond Dion's control. But it was so wild that everybody made anybody with legitimate criticisms of what was going on there a hater. And now at the end of the year, I mean, does the word disarray apply to what's going Absolutely. on over there? So let let me talk to a lot of the people that are going to be disappointed with this conversation or have been disappointed with other conversations about Dion. What people don't understand is there were certain people who were being honest about the job that had to be done in Colorado. And what they were doing was they were actually trying to help not just Dion, but you guys as well, because a lot of people, the disappointment that was coming, they saw it, right? They saw the disappointment. They watch a lot of college football. They know how programs operate. They know how pro programs have to be built. And particularly at the power five level, like what you have to do in order to be successful in one season and over a, a, a length of time. And it was like, hey, I would say people would tell me all the time, man, this is going to be a nine win team. Dion might win the Pac-12. And I would say to people, that's not going to happen. And they would be like, why are you hating on a black man? Why are you hating on a black man? And I'm like, that the the expectations you're putting on him are unfair in his first year at Colorado and the expectations that you're putting on yourself as a fan are unfair. Now, I will say this. The season went at the end worse than I thought it was going to go. That's a fact. And anybody that's not saying that is being disingenuous. At the end of the season, there seemed to be disarray to your point like almost everywhere. It would be one thing if things were just unraveling on the field. That's almost to be expected. They played an insanely tough schedule. One of the toughest schedules in the entire college football season. And they didn't have what they need in the trenches. So they were going to wear down. However, some of the other things that happened, some of the coaching moves that happened, some of the decisions that were made, not just in the case with Lewis and Shermer, but some of the other things that went on once again, they got robbed. Again, Dion has been robbed twice as a head coach. Some of those things are growing pains that he is experiencing as a power five head coach. They don't spell the end for Deion Sanders, but the institutional disarray that you saw at the end, that's from a neophyte coach who is still learning on the job how to do the job at that level. And I don't understand why that's either controversial or disrespectful to say. Like, part of that is him. After you beat a team, right, and you you beat TCU, you come into a post-game situation, and you're talking to the press, and you're talking about them about whether or not they believe, you're de-intellectualizing in a way. I'm not – Dion is an incredibly smart man, but – you're de-intellectualizing the conversation around the game. You're asking people if they believe. Well, it's easy for them to believe when you win, but then when you lose, they're going to stop believing. And then anybody that is critical is not somebody that's talking about college football and program building. They're, they've now become a non-believer, a heretic, like a heathen. Like now, we, right. and it's, and now we can't talk football anymore. So, yes, there's disarray. Yes, he needs to get better as coach. Yes, at the end of the year, a poor coaching job was done. And I think that's okay to say. Um, Colorado, the program got better. Colorado, the team got worse over the course of the year, which is a telltale sign that he's still learning on the job uh, as a coach. But the question is, how good can he be? How good will Colorado be? I still think he can be very good. I still think he can and will win there. But we have to be honest about what happened this season. What happened this season was they flew out the gates, captivated everyone, and then the team got worse and worse and worse till they could no longer compete. And that's just what happened. Well, you know, I look at the whole thing, and I think that just about everything you said was correct, right? Do people realize that they weren't taking him, his football team, or his program seriously? 
right? Like I saw Sports Illustrated made Dion their Sportsman of the Year. And there's a lot of factors about whether you'll be Sportsman of the Year. Chief among them, will you buy a table at their little banquet that they have for that? That's a real big deal, like in terms of whether you're going to get that honor. And it doesn't mean the same thing that it used to mean back in the day, but it's still a thing. But what's so wild about that to me is, do people realize how unseriously they took Dion and his whole operation. Like nobody was thinking about this on the front end. And I'm not blaming him necessarily. Like I think there's some unserious elements to the way that he has comported himself as the coach and the way they set the program up and everything else. But I'm talking about the people who observe and watch him. Like, for example, Dion said at some point when they were, you know, it was looking bad toward the end, they were speaking about the potential of them going to a bowl game. And he's like, I'm not worried about going to a darn bowl game. What are you talking about? You're not worried about going to a bowl game for a team like this. Going to a bowl game is extra practices. It's more chance to work everything else. Teams all the time talk about when they're at that level of their ascent, the importance of going to a bowl game and how that you know affects your building or whatever it is. It's almost like Dion didn't realize how hard this was going to be, right? Like they they thought they was going to go ten and two, nine and three, or something like that. But like I remember thinking about. His introductory press conferences, you and I have watched a lot of those. And they're always asking questions about what your scheme's going to be. And you always got a coach talking about our defense is going to be multiple. Our offense is going to do this, da-da-da. Do you remember that from the early portions of the stuff with Colorado? Like, it just seemed to be selling, I'm Deion Sanders, and we're going to get this done. And I think that he could sell the vision of the program very clearly. And there's something really cool about it. I think that the high school recruiting part for this year, people are making too much out of that. They've always had a plan to basically try to get all these transfers. But you can't build a serious offensive line strictly off of transfers. This doesn't work. Like if you evaluated him the way that we evaluate football coaches, you stop and you're like, hey, guys, there are a few parts of this plan that I don't know if they can work. You think it's so cool that Travis Hunter plays two ways. I'm asking why Travis Hunter got to work double shifts every day. Yeah. Like, we haven't yeah. stopped to, like, bring up the point that he has to do that because they don't have enough players. They don't have enough bodies. Shador Sanders took a beating last year, unlike any quarterback I can recall seeing to the point where he just couldn't keep going. But I thought all these things happened, and we evaluated Dion as a phenomenon, right? Like, as a media story. But... What I realized wasn't nobody taking this seriously is when people were saying that Colorado was going to be Black America's team. And I was like, y'all don't, y'all don't get this, man. When Miami came around, like, you are from Baton Rouge. I am from Houston, right? And Baton Rouge being a great example. You grew up around Southern. Black folks as Southern, a gener- I mean, in Baton Rouge, a generation ahead of you are not LSU fans. They are Southern fans. We did not participate in what was going on with the local schools because the local schools were not participating with us, right? So when Miami or Florida State or those schools come around and they got all those black people, USC before that, those could be like a black America's team like Georgetown was in basketball because there wasn't full integration yet, right? Those were the teams that showed us love. But now you look up and you fast forward all these years, black people root for the same teams white people do, the local teams, because the local teams now look like them. They now reflect them. And so all these people who showed up and were like, yo, Colorado's black America's team, that's how I know you ain't serious about this and how I know you're not a college football fan because you would have already had a goddamn team. You wouldn't be looking at Dion like that. You'd be looking at Dion like he competition. So, so the reality is this: like what, what you're saying is gospel, especially. So, I grew up in a house where my mother went to LSU, my father went to Southern, right? And my saw my father would watch LSU, but didn't really care that much about what was going on with LSU. And what people don't understand when they talk about culture is we talk about culture as this thing that is sort of ubiquitous and uh it's something that you can turn on one saturday and then turn off the next saturday culture is sticky it's it's there's viscosity to it it drips off of you you can't help it like southern fans that go to the bayou classic there's a visceral emotional response to what happens in the game they cannot have a good day if southern loses the bayou classic people that are really about that the baby can't bring that to a school the rock can't bring that to a school that has to be inherited. It has to be taught. I mean, you can try to start it, but it's not going to happen overnight. So when we're talking about like, and I think this is another thing when you're asking a question about Colorado, you're asking like really about two different C's, culture versus cosmetic, right? Like substance versus cosmetic and what is there? Can there be a culture established? Sure, but black culture, Black culture is the toughest culture to attain because 
it's really attained through loyalty, pain, and sacrifice. If ingenuity built black culture, the, the, the making food taste good when it was slop, making music about how bad your life is, worshiping because that's the only connection that you have to something that makes you feel full in a country that denigrates you. Black culture is costly. So when something becomes black, even the HBCUs that we're talking about, they're there to educate ex-slaves, right? The culture that is built from those schools, there's a price for it. And Colorado has not paid a cultural, uh, paid a big enough cultural price for a lot of black people to care if it's not the cool thing to care about. If it's the cool thing to care about, then it's like any other fad that could exist. But if you're telling something that is black America's team, like if it's black America's team, there has to be some foundation there, right? It was the thing that we cared about for a little while, but there've been other things that we cared about for a little while. Justin Timberlake, we cared about for a little while. <laughs> and then like, and then, and then, you know what I mean? And then we stopped. So I think for Dion, the question for me is going to be this. You talked about press conferences. He didn't talk about any of those things in press conferences, uh, partly because he wasn't asked to, Bo. Like, right, that's what I'm no saying. They one, weren't taking him seriously. Yeah, no one, no one worked the press more than Dion did. Colorado, they lost eight games. He was, I think he was, I'd say he won he was 12, 11 and one in press conferences. The only one I'd say he lost is the one where he was sick. So he just destroyed all of these people. But that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is like not asking the right questions or not treating them as a serious football entity is not what Colorado needs. It's not what Dion needs. I want Dion to be successful. I love Dion Sanders, always have loved Dion Sanders. But when I watch people talk about Colorado on major sports broadcasts and I watch this, the kid gloves that they're treating them with are like they're so soft that the question is, how are they how, how are they going to build? How are they going to know something is wrong? Like, how are they going to be able to how is he going to be able to run this program differently if he's being treated like? The, the the NFC defensive player of the year and not a new college football coach. And that's not me saying, I'll, I'll shut up after this. That's not me saying that he doesn't realize something is wrong, but it is me saying that sometimes within our culture, we take criticism or we take honesty as hatred, Uncle Tomness, uh, being culturally off code and all of that stuff. And that's really one thing that inside of our culture we have to get away from. Yeah. Well, he makes the point and he made the point earlier in the season where he's like, you know, they don't like it when it's a confident black man sitting up here. And I'm like, OK, I feel you, but that doesn't apply to you. Right. Like you are Deion Sanders. There was a time 35 years ago where the idea of Deion Sanders was controversial, but you won. Right. You won that war to the point where you were actually the head coach of a college football program. Them cameras was all there because of those things. They were there because of the shades. They were there because of the jewelry. Like these were all positives for you by the time you became the head coach. That wasn't what the issue is. Like something I thought that a lot of the newcomers to college football didn't realize in terms of the response to Dion. They ain't hating Dion because he's black necessarily. There's certainly some people who did, right? Like, I don't sure. want to pretend like those people don't exist. Yeah, but, college football, but, yeah, but college football is zero-sum game, man, right? Like, if I'm an Alabama fan and it looked like Dion is out here getting players that we want, we hate Dion Sanders now. That's how yeah. that goes. There's, there's, not, there's not a lot of, like, respect the game in the world of college football. Like, there was going to be a distaste that some people had for him and will have for him the more successful that he ultimately becomes, assuming that the success is right around the corner. But man, it's a really, really, really hard job that he's doing. And for this to work, and for the people that say they want to be fans of it, the charm of this is the grueling grind that you have of building up a program. That's what it is for most people. Most people can go back and tell you about the bad old days before they start talking about the good old days. And for this, I would have loved to have seen Dion come in and be like, hey man, we're going to be four and eight this year or something like that. Like, this is going to be hard. This is going to take a long time. And then this four and eight becomes the man. You remember when we started off and we was four and eight, but we just kept going and we got there. But when your approach is we're going to build up the roster, 80% with transfers and 20% with high school players. And this isn't just him. It ain't going to feel like nothing on that end. And when you do it that way, now this is what people are demanding. You got to be good right now. Because if they feel like you got a, pro uh, um, a program, right? A process 
they'll give you time to go from four to five, five to seven, seven to eight or nine, maybe go back down to seven and then get up to nine or whatever. They'll give you time for stuff like that. But we're treating this and this isn't really his fault. Like this isn't a blaming Deion Sanders sort of thing. But once that happens, that's 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 just not how this game that we are talking about has typically worked. That's not it. Right. But the reason it works, and I want to ask you about this part. This is what I, you know that time how you be talking sometimes, trying to remember that next day he was going to talk about, it, then you couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. I just remember what it was. Mm-hmm. I have contended a big part of why Dion was such a big deal to start the season is the rest of college football has gotten so boring. No coaches are interesting. No teams are interesting. They're barely familiar because of the transfer portal. Dion was something that we knew, something that we were familiar with, right? And something that was interesting and a throwback to old school coaching. Like when people try to make something about Colorado about blackness, that team ain't no blacker than any other team. But what is old school about this is the coach is the star. The coach is the figurehead. The coach has a unique look. Everything about this is about the vision of the coach, which does not apply outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama to any other program in America. Like quietly, Dion is the old thing, not the new thing. Absolutely. And I think that kind of that resonated with people in a lot of ways. I think that the experiment at Jackson State was something that was very compelling for a lot of people. And even the way that it was sold at Jackson State, that we're down here to uh, on a mission from God to do this. Dion going from having never coached in that situation to coming to the SWAC. And remember, I want people to understand everything that happened at Colorado. It happened in the SWAC. Do you remember SWAC coaches? challenging Dion culturally. It was the same thing. It wasn't, to, to Bo's point, it wasn't, it's not, it, race is definitely a big part of this. It's a It's a part of this. But even the other coaches in the SWAC, there were coaches in that all-black conference that had issues with how Dion was comporting himself and what it meant for him to buy into the culture of the conference that he was coaching in. It happened even then because they're fighting for the same recruits. They're fighting for the same airtime, all of that stuff, right? Um, but, but to the question that you're asking right now, I mean, it was something that was a little bit refreshing. It gave the college football season, the early part of the college football season, which is typically uh, beyond a couple of games, the point where you're watching uh, a big-time team play against directional you. They're essentially scrimmages and practices for most teams until they get into conference. It gave us something to watch and something to care about. And then just the question, the controversial way that he left Jackson State, because uh, he didn't make that about team. He made it about himself. He was like, you either, you know, you elevate or you do whatever the thing was. Um, you elevate or die, I guess what he was saying. So he had elevated, and the question is, well, could he hack it there? So you're watching Travis Hunter leaves, Shador leaves. He brings his family with him. It's a cultural family football pretzel of interest that they had there. And then there are other things. The, the uniforms look cool, black and gold. We've heard of Colorado. They haven't been relevant for a long time. The celebrities at the game, it was perfect to get people interested. It was perfect to get eyes. And it backfired. It backfired because I watched every snap of Colorado football this year. He's not lying about this, by the way. He watched every one of them. I watched every snap they took. And that type of scrutiny can sometimes be a bad pill. I saw it when they had procedural penalties. I saw it when teams were beating them using the same routes. I saw it when there was no adjustments being made. I saw it when Shadour would sometimes hold the ball. I saw it when it didn't look like the scheme fit the talent that they do have. And I'm like, wow, it's not going well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I might not be able to say that same thing about Oregon State or about Cal or about other teams that I watched less. And so the, the question is, how does it go from being a celebrity brand there to just a football brand there and just focus on the football? They brought in a great recruit uh, against the, the number one O-lineman in the country. That's a good starting point. LSU had to rebuild their offensive line, had terrible offensive line a couple of years ago. The way you do that is you bring in uh, Emory Jones, Zalance Hurd, Will Campbell. Those are three guys that we recruited, Right. And you got one at left tackle. You got one at right tackle. You got guys in the middle at your guards. You're playing, but you freshmen have to hit. You have to hit in recruiting to build those lines. On the defensive line, 
we haven't hit with some of our recruits. And so our line gets pushed around a little bit. The question will be a like little bit, other a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. They can push around a little bit. They can push around a little bit. You think I'm, gonna let that, you think I'm about to let that one slide? You think I'm about to let that one slide? Y'all got Harold Perkins Jr. and trying to figure out what to do. How the hell is that confusing? That's all I want to know. How is that confusing? Hey, man, look. We're trying to figure out what we got in the house. Oh, man. You know what I mean? You got to figure out how, 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 how strong the house is. LSU fans are more Oh, But, yeah, so, you know, it, we'll see if they can do it. We'll see if they can do it. Like, And, and if they can't, Deion Sanders has still – like he's still accomplished so much more than so many other people in their industries yes. in the world that it's not a legacy ruining thing if he doesn't succeed as the head football coach of Colorado. But no. I tell people this, success is not guaranteed in this. You have to be prepared uh-huh. for whether or not they're able to do it. I think that he will be able to do it. I really do. But we got to see. And I think – and you talked about like buying into culture. And I think this is something that gets lost. Um, when you take a job running a college football program, and I'm wondering how this goes for Dion through the years. And I don't know how much culture there is at Colorado to build up, but like you and I remember when they were winning national championships, or at the very least consistent contenders to win the big eight or the big 12. Right. And that's, I guess, Oh five is the last year. They really, really mattered on that front. But like, they have they, they have not always been an irrelevant program, but they also haven't been what we would call a traditional power. But they've got stuff. They've done things. And I think Colorado was good for him in that you didn't have to buy in the culture so much because after the Gary Barnett stuff, they wanted yeah. to get away from the past in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like they, they, were, they were a little shaky on it. But when Howard Schnellenberger took that job at Oklahoma, for example, his biggest mistake was he acted like nobody had ever done anything at Oklahoma before he got there. And he lasted a uh-huh. year because people yeah. can tolerate that if you are winning. John Calipari at Kentucky in basketball didn't really lean in on Kentucky basketball culture, but it was cool when they were winning. Once they start not winning, then people start looking up and they resent that stuff, right? So you can be the cool, hip program, but you got to win. And at some point, even if you are Deion Sanders, if you don't win, all this turns on you. The question I have, and I don't have a great answer for this, is what counts as winning for him at Colorado? Because that's the other thing, too. When he got in there, it was, we coming? I ain't hard to find. I don't recall a bunch of, and we're going to go to BCS Bowls, right? Like, he kept this in slogans rather than clear expectations of what's coming from the program. Like, I'm sure you can go back and find in some press conferences where he said a thing about a thing, right? But again, you and I pay close attention to this. It's been about the idea and less about tangible things. You better win when you do that, man. And I don't know how much longer he, I, I don't know how many more four-win seasons you can have. Uh, they're going to struggle next year. Um, they're 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 going to struggle next year. They're going to... They're going to be an entertaining team. They're going to be in, in most of the games they play. Obviously, you know, they're moving to the Big 12. And if you look at the new, how the Big 12 is now, you don't have a lot of, it's not the same murderer's row that they had in the Pac-12 this year, which was, if we're all being honest, it was um surprisingly strong. Surprisingly strong year from the Pac-12 in its, in its swan song. But they're going to struggle next year. They're going to struggle to, to get to six or seven wins next year. I they might have a better record than they did this past year, but they're going to have a lot of the same problems that they had last season. There's some attrition there. There's going there's co- attrition not just in the locker room, but in the coaching staff. Um, and now you wonder, you know, how everybody is going to respond to the end of the season. Your point about the bowl game is a great one. It would have been great for them to have got to six wins and gone to even like the fucking – Popeye's chicken bowl or whatever they got, like whatever, just played somebody, beat somebody. Hey, we go off the field and then we go into uh, the late signing period and spring ball and all of that with some momentum. But right now there's a ship to write and there's a whole slate to play next year. And I'm concerned about whether or not they'll have a better season, but I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give them two classes. Same thing I'm gonna do for Billy Napier, who they want his head down there in Gainesville. I'm going to give them two classes. Get your guys in. You got to give a coach time to get their guys in. Get your guys in, particularly from a 1-11 and team. You got to give them a couple of classes to get in there before you can really, really judge 
like what they're doing in Colorado. And see, and this is the last thing I'll say on that, because you're absolutely right about that. But this is the thing about the transfer strategy. I mean, honestly, you already trying to build your program on the backs of quitters. Right, like, oh, wow. like you build your program eighty percent on the backs of people who 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 quit where they was at. You know, like they they looked at where they was at, and they was like, either I can't hack it or I'm too good. All I'm saying is they gonna say the same thing to you at some point if this don't work for them, right? You know, like you you building this on the back. I'm sorry, and the older I get, the more I be saying stuff like this, right? Like the foundation of your program is 80% quitters. I just don't know if that's the way you want to go about it. 80% quitters. I mean, like, like we gonna see who all stay on this team. We gonna see how much these boys enjoyed this. The coaching staff thing is another thing that you pointed out where we've seen the attrition there. They had the, the offensive coordinator situation and changing play callers and the questions about like what role him being his dad of the quarterback had on the way things went like there's so much stuff this has all been so fascinating i'm so glad that you and i got to talk about it because honestly you and i have both consumed most of the conversations surrounding this it hasn't been interesting because they haven't taken him seriously yeah and i'm just telling everybody out there i know it man i, I watch these shows and these you, you guys are punting on colorado you're punting on them it's okay, man. It's all right. I'm telling you, you're not, it's not about being negative or being positive. It's about looking at the job that's being done and talking about it. Uh, not coming out with pitchforks or anything like that. So many things have been, the Dan Lanning thing was way overblown. That's like a garden variety coach speak, like garden variety coach speak. And like we, we took it as if the motherfucking guy was George Zimmerman or something like that. It was like it was like <laughs> guard variety coach. Me. Yes, you know what I'm saying. And so, and so, you know, it's just it's. I really challenge. I challenge the talking heads, and it's okay to love Deion Sanders. I love Deion Sanders, but you guys got to be more more either courageous or just keep it a little bit more real about what's going on at Colorado. That's all I'll say. Well, all right, fast people in the chat getting mad at me for calling some of these people quitters. They like a, a Joe Burrow a quitter. Kinda. Like if Joe, I mean, look, it, it worked out okay for Joe Burrow, but if Joe Burrow had stuck around Ohio State one more year, it'd have been just fine for him there, right? But he was like, damn, I'm not going to get to play here. Let me go find some place where it might be a little bit easier. I mean, that's that's what that don't get me wrong. It went really, really well. I'm not saying it was a fit. <laughs> yeah, it worked for me. He dog, he got down there and wound up playing with two literal future Hall of Fame wide receivers. Got nuts. Think about that, bro. Think about the fact. I want everybody to think about. I'm not gonna go back to 2019 LSU because we could do another hour on it. But think about the fact. Joe Burrow is a fantastic quarterback. I love Joe. I think he's gonna be can stay healthy, have great NFL career. Joe Burrow was throwing to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Y'all think about yes. the bullshit. That's bullshit. Like that's that's <laughs> he had Jamar Chase on one side on one side, and 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 fucking Justin Jefferson on the other side. We were nuts, bro. That's bullshit. They should with, with, with Rand with Randy Moss's son in the middle and that and and handing oh, the ball to a running back who was the epitome of a 5'8 running back. Because I always say, you don't want no problems with no 5'8 football player. And people be like, oh, what do you mean by that? Look up Clyde Edwards-Hellaire, 5'8", yeah. and bruh, he'll take you out. Yep, take you out, spin Le you, leave, do the whole thing, catch the leave ball. Leave that man alone. Oh, nasty. no, no, I'm talking about in real life. Leave that man oh. alone. <laughs> Leave that man alone. They had the nerve to let that man be coached by another five foot eight running back you don't want no problems with, Kevin Falk. Leave that man alone too. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. that's, that's that's legendary in Louisiana right there. <laughs> yeah, yes, leave all. All right, I gotta stop now because we'll get into talking about LSU for way too long. Check out Van Lathan, Higher Learning. Check out the Midnight Boys podcast. Excuse me, Academy Award winner Van Lathan got all his information right there. All right, brother. Peace. Thank you, Bo. Always, anytime I'm ready to come on, brother. Oh, no, we're going to do this again, man. I appreciate you, man. And uh, before we get out of here, Sean, we got the prize picks for the people. 
We sure do, Bo, and uh, a lot of people on the YouTubes were wondering what my record was. So, and I, I think out of the 15 or something picks that I've made, I've got five of them correct. So I'm like a 300 hitter. You know, I, I might not make the all-star game, but I, I might get some votes. Hey, tell them you win. Tell them you win it for fun. And that's how yeah, they do it. I'm, I'm in it too. because Prize Picks is a great sponsor presenter of the show. And I got four picks for everyone tonight. NBA, Jabari Smith. 22 and a half points and rebounds. I'm taking more. Alperin Sangoon, 24 and a half points and assists. I'm going to take more there. Cam Thomas, one and a half three pointers made. He's got to make two three pointers. He's a, he's a bucket. Um, Julius Randle, I'm going to take less than nine and a half rebounds just because I don't know. I, I don't know if I can trust Julius Randle. <laughs> you just can't do it. You just betting on Julius Randle just doesn't, doesn't feel like a wise move. I understand you. All right, we got that taken care of. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. That's my man, Sean Yu. He handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Remember, follow The Right Time. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy.